Can you hear me now? Okay, cool. Okay, well, this summer I was in Hungary. Um, it's right near like Croatia and Austria, Romania. You can see it up on the screens and by Ukraine, what was going on? Oh, thank you. there I can hear it. <laughs> um, and so I served for two months over there um, as a media intern and also a general intern. So I helped the team gather um, an idea of what they're doing on the different fields in the region as well as just on the field in Hungary. And then we took all of that content and we produced it out to other people so that they could see what was happening and they, they could be better engaged and more involved um, in the ministries that they were like being tied to. Um, so in addition to media, I also did three camps. I did, I spent most of my time in Budapest where we did not have camps, but it was kind of like my central location. Um, and then we traveled first to Latenia, which is a small little rural community. You can see it down in the bottom corner near Croatia. And then we also traveled to Vats, which is just like 20 to 40 minutes, depending on the train, um, from Budapest. So there, that's some of my, I was with the Depused. If any of you are familiar with them, they have been serving over in Budapest for quite some time. Um, and I got to join their family, which was really exciting. So you can see me there with Izzy. So the first camp that I did, like I mentioned, was Latenia. Um, it was a very, very rural community. Um, so we came in for about a week and we served there. We helped with doing English camps. That's really important. It's definitely the way into the Hungarians. They are very reserved people. They have been largely affected by communism, which has made them not very trustful, not very open and they tend to isolate themselves a lot. So this summer, we have, we're not this summer, for a long time they've been doing English camps. And that's an opportunity because a lot of the kids over in Hungary end up taking English because their parents want them to. Um, and a lot of them are nominal Christians. So all their ancestors were Catholic, therefore they are Catholic, therefore they are Christian. Um, so they're not opposed to sending their kids to an English camp that is Christian-run. And it gives us an opportunity just to connect with the kids and get to pour into them and love on them and just show them the light of God. So we spent a week there doing English classes, and then they had a Bible class, and they had just really fun arts and activities and games. Um, I included one photo that I really wanted to highlight, but this is a little boy, Jyoti, and we gave the kids Bibles in their own language at the end of the week. And it was hard to get the kids engaged during their own free time. They tended to want to just be by themselves. They were nervous. Um, but when we gave them their Bibles, they spent their entire free time sitting there just reading through them and pouring over them and asking us questions, which was just incredible because we had a difficult time engaging with those kids um, from the beginning. And here's some of those photos. Um, but like I mentioned, they had fun activities too, which gave us a really good time just to engage with them. It was, I don't know, we played so many games. They had very obnoxious songs to learn English that I'm not even going to try singing. And they did things like make stress balls, 
and they made hand bracelets. The kids did tie-dye, which they had never done before. Um, and we taught them a bunch of different like American games. Um, we taught them how to like throw footballs. They're much more familiar with soccer <laughs> over there. Um, yeah. Here's some photos. And then, like I said, they had the English classes. We learned not to take photos of the kids from the front because they often look bored in the <laughs> classes. And so for media, they were like, always take the photo from behind so you see the kids engaging in the coursework. So not many photos of the kids are from the front. But our staff really tried to like intersperse with the kids. You can see one of our leaders sitting with them doing the English activities. It was really important not just to come in, teach them, and leave. We really tried to form those relationships with them. And then in the afternoons, we, and if the kids wanted to join, and so many of them did, we went out to, a, in the rural community, we went out to the local church. And we worked with them to try to improve the facilities. We painted a church. We fixed up their patio. We laid down new gravel for walkways. Um, and they've been working with this community for quite some time to try to get this church growing. Um, and then we, that's who we partner with to do the English camp. And it was very cool. A lot of the kids worked so hard and they wanted to get engaged so much. This was really one of the best times to get to know them and talk. And you can see actually Avalyn is in that picture. She was also out there, the Depews were there, so I got to work with them as well. And then the second camp that we stepped into was SEC, um, Summer English Camp. So it was in a less rural community. It was kind of like the equivalent of Morgantown, not quite like large city, but definitely more like bustling. Um, so we were there for a week as well. Um, these kids have been coming for many, many years. So a lot of these kids we had actually already formed many connections with and got the opportunity to know and talk to um, and then started off much more comfortable right from the bat. So that is our crew. It was a much bigger camp than Latenya was. Everybody in green is students and anybody in blue, that was the staff. So actually, wait, where did I go? Um, so we did a lot of different activities. The kids had English lessons. Once again, that was another way that we started working into getting to know the children and forming those connections and actually getting them there. Um, but then we had like team Olympics where we had like water games and things where the kids would compete and do different activities. Um, and we led conversation groups. So that would be like the only time the kids did like a 10 minute devotional in the morning. And then otherwise they would come in for conversation groups for about an hour, two times a day. And that is when they would talk about their English lessons and go over it and ask any questions. And we would also try to direct a lot of the topics towards 
um, faith in who Jesus was and how that interacts with them and what their perceptions of it were. So all this picture, both of those, are actually what my conversation group was. I had a translator who was around my age named Daniel, and then Debbie, who was like totally cool, and she was much older, so I got to work with a very diverse group. And then my kids, I had five of them. Um, so that was probably one of my favorite parts about that camp. Um, I didn't get to do as much on hands-on in terms of like leading classes or anything because I was running around taking photos, but I did get to lead a conversation group and that was a time just, I got, I mean, the kids I got to know and the things that they brought up, I was truly shocked by. Not only just by the depth that they were thinking through things and the questions that they were asking were so exciting, but trying to translate that into English to talk to us is a really big deal to try to take these very theological concepts and put it into another language. Um, we actually taught the kids how to play baseball, which they hadn't known how to do. Um, they played all types of different games. You could see them all, like Charlie's Angels. <laughs> that was one of the group activities that we did. The kids also love Ninja. I don't know if anybody has ever played that. Sometimes the younger kids know, but that is their go-to when they want to get to play with you. And Gaga Ball, which we have just out here at our church as well. That is, at the end of the evenings, all the kids would come together, like from all of camp, and all shove into this Gaga Ball pit, and we would have epic games and competitions <laughs> just trying to beat each other. And we taught the kids how to make grilled cheese because they really like cheese over there, but they don't know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. And that was just a really fun way to incorporate American culture to teach them a little bit more. And then we went to Peña de Ojora. Now that was actually in Spain. So I spent a week over there where we flew over and we helped at the facilities of a small Instead of running a church camp this time, we actually ran the facilities for the kids and the families or the camp directors to use. Um, so it was just near Madrid. I can't remember the exact um, distance, but you can kind of see it on the map. Um, so that is some images of like what the camp is like. It has just gotten up and running, and it's actually what the Depews are really pouring into right now. The camp is going to be serving multiple different purposes. It's a way to reach out to the community for people to be able to use the facilities for their camps, Christian or non-Christian. Um, but it was originally started in order to provide a space for the different leaders and teams all throughout Europe to come and have an opportunity and a space to just be refilled and have a retreat and they don't really get that opportunity to step away because it's always go, go, go. So it gives them a space just to be able to relax and rebuild with one another before they go back out, which I learned this summer is very important to do when everything is a marathon. So our role was mainly helping in the kitchen. We spent a lot of time there. 
We made many different meals. I got to see what it's like to work on the other side of the cafeteria. And we also did like things like setting up tables and we cleaned a lot of the facilities. We made beds, we made a new sign for them painting and we set up tables for the next day. Um, so it was very hands-on and a lot of work. I actually found it very satisfying. I really enjoyed that week, but um, it was a lot. And Spain was very hot, so it added to a lot of the exhaustion. I also wanted to share not just what we did, but what I actually gained from the experience. So I think this is a little bit more of my testimony of this summer. So I learned a huge component of ministry is team prep preparation. Um, we arrived at the camps three days early every single time. And I was like, I don't think we need three days to set up tables. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot. but. When we got there, I learned it was a lot more than just the logistics of preparing the space and working through lesson plans. We spent three days praying together and getting to know one another better so that we knew how to better encourage each other, where to fill in for each other's weaknesses. Um, it just made, it made the whole experience that much richer as we went out to the kids, we knew that we were all on the same page and we knew that we were fighting together, not just individually for getting these kids to know God and having that opportunity. And when one of us were struggling, we could go to one another and not just let it fester inside. So that was one of my favorite parts. We also had discipleship meetings that were, when we weren't at camps, we would meet like once a week, the girls and guys on the team split and it was a time that we either spent seriously studying the word together or we spent just talking about how we were doing. Um, and I learned that that vulnerability is pretty important. It also allows for a lot of grace and a lot of love for one another. And it made it so much easier to want to encourage and strengthen one another when we knew what each other were going through. Instead of each of us like putting on a facade and stepping into the ministry like, I got this. Um, yeah. And sometimes it was also just a lot of fun. Sometimes they weren't also just serious experiences. Sometimes they were making humid pyramids. <laughs> That's at SEC when we all came together. We made envelopes for each other to include little personal and encouraging notes throughout the week. And that is at La Pena when we sat down and debriefed together in the evenings. And that is at Spain. I think, though, the biggest lesson I learned was endurance. Um, when I came back, one of the main phrases that people used was, that had to be such an incredible experience. And it was. Like, I learned a lot, but it was also very hard. And it wasn't a spiritual retreat that I went on where I came back extremely filled. Um, I learned a lot of lessons, really amazing ones, and also really hard ones. Um, and 
I learned that you can't approach a lot of things like a sprint. It's really easy to get burnt out and not have that marathon faith where you're remaining disciplined and working through. So a lot of the struggles had to do with the inability to connect with my family or my loved ones. A lot of phone calls cut out, which was really hard. I didn't felt like I didn't have a lot of support system in terms of connecting back home, um, which was difficult. <laughs> you can see this photo of my dad where <laughs> it cut out right when he was um, dropping me off from the airport on the way home, or the food that we had eaten with Tanya made us feel very sick, <laughs> literally, not just in terms of flavor, but it actually destroyed us. <laughs> um, and it was exhausting. We had most days that started like at 6.30, 7.30, and went all the way to like 11.30 at night. Um, and it was not a restful moment at one point in the day. It was a lot of physical activity and running around, and it took a lot. I was, there were days where I just wanted to cry because I was so tired and so exhausted and in so much pain. But I really liked this quote, and this has stuck with me for quite some time by C.S. Lewis from the Screwtape Letters. It says, if once they get through this initial dryness successfully, they become much less dependent on emotion and therefore much harder to tempt. And his point in this is often we feel, we rely on our feelings to determine where we're at with God. And when we're feeling really down, really worn out and really exhausted, we often feel like he's abandoned us and we're doing the race alone. And it's much harder during those times to just want to step away because we're not feeling that excitement and that fire burning and being spurred on. And although those moments are very great, there's also a lot of times where you end up walking through valleys. And during those times, they're just as important to have God. And he is always there, but we just don't always choose to acknowledge that. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. That was a very motivational scripture for me while I was going through. Um, just reminding myself that as I was progressing through and there were really hard times that I just drew that strength from him and he was there and he was spurring me on and letting me soar on wings like eagles. And then one thing I also learned was to celebrate one another. And not just my team members, but also everybody within the field. So the way it's split up is you have the field, like Hungary, and you have a field like Spain, and then they have fields in Italy and in Ireland, and I think they had another one near, blanking out, in the UK. So they have a couple different like fields. They have very, very many more. And all together they make the region, so the Europe and the Middle East region. And in the past, everybody just had their own field. Hungary was just working with Hungary, and Spain was just working with Spain. And they learned from the last couple years the importance of celebrating one another and working together. And that has been really, really amazing to see 
that when one of them was having a victory in their field, when one of them was having a moment where they finally got the funding to move forward in something, or they finally broke through with this specific people group, um, they could celebrate that. And they were so excited, and they would be posting and sharing one another's victories, because it's not just the Spain's victory or just Hungary's, it's God's. And since we're all members of that, that means it's all of our victories, and it's your guys's too. So when Spain has a victory, that's yours, and you can rejoice in that and gain from that joy. And so I liked this one as well. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. But not just only in celebrating victories, there's also a lot of areas where we're struggling. Just recently, the Spain team, they all got COVID. And they got hit with it in a very busy time. And so a lot of the different fields, people from Hungary and people from Ireland, they all came together and filled in those spaces and ran the camp while the Spain team was out. And as things are happening in Ukraine, a lot of people from Spain and from Ireland and from the different locations have come over to the Hungary team to help them with that. They have helped with driving supplies over to the border. They've helped with just encouraging. They've helped with funding. But... It has truly brought them more than just their ministry, engaging all of their joys and sadnesses on how it's just going for them and looking outwards towards the greater picture of what God's doing. And so they're also helping each other endure. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ had so we can endure with each other. And that's actually the church in Budapest that I attended. Um, it was actually a very old theater that they converted into a church later on. Um, in the outward part, where it used to be ticket booths, they have converted into a coffee shop. So on Sundays, different people from the church volunteer to, um, they volunteer to make the coffee and serve everybody. But during the week, they have a coffee shop where they then reach out to the community, where pe different people come. So that is what... That's what I have for you guys. We have a couple extra minutes. Does anybody have any questions for Emily before we allow her to sit down? <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. It hit 104 most days. It was pretty brutal. It is, it's not humid though, it's pretty dry heat, so if you could find a spot of shade, the temperature dropped like that. Um, so we spent a lot of time when we weren't working in the pool, <laughs> um, just cooling off, or we would sit inside because, yeah, it was, we only, so we could only work from we only worked in the mornings because the hottest part of the day hits in the afternoon. So in Spain, they start their morning. Actually, they're a very slow culture. So even though they only have a certain amount of time to get things done, they generally just slowly walk into it. Um, and then they don't normally have lunch until like 3 p.m. And they have siesta, a time to just rest throughout the day. So they have lunch at 3, then they finish what they want in the cool of the evening, and then they normally have dinner at like 9 p.m., and then just go straight to bed. So 
it is that was an adjustment a switch of routine but it was really cool to like see that and step into something different I also really liked the siesta time because I really like naps <laughs> there's what oh yeah and there's no AC like at all it was yeah just fans <laughs> what Oh, so we actually stayed on the facilities. Um, they have a volunteer area. There was one slide that actually, I don't think it included the image of the place we stayed, but it was similar to that. Um, just a small, it was smaller, only one level, but it was on the facility set aside just for volunteers. They actually have two separate volunteer areas. They have a place for campers, a place for the longer term volunteers to stay, like missionary members who come and join the field or anybody who is volunteering for a long period, or they have short term member like area where sometimes churches will send like a large group of like people. When I was in Spain, there was a church who sent over like 20 to 30 people um, and they took up a whole um, section for the volunteers. So I wasn't the one that says volunteerios. Yeah, um, that is something that I'm currently praying about. It is something that has been laid on my heart, but I am still waiting to see where God leads. Um, I don't want to rush into it just coming off of the high of an amazing summer. Um, and so, yeah, right now I'm just taking the time to, like, seriously pray and consider. Um, but it is not something I would be opposed to. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think it's connecting with people um, because the community is so distrusting. It can be, the younger generation is not as they have not felt the effects of communism, but the communist pressure really didn't leave until 1989. So many people can still remember what that's like um, and they're not too keen on engaging with people that they're not familiar with. Um, you'll see the younger generation, they're just running around doing whatever, but um, everybody else is much more reserved. You sit on a lot of the public transportation, completely quiet. Um, and so it is really hard to just easily spark up a conversation with somebody or get people to come in. Uh, and so they have found ways around that, and that's mostly like through the English camps. Um, right now, they're hoping that if they can start getting more kids involved, they can start getting families involved and move forward. Um, however, they are also, in Spain, they're also hoping to reach out more than just kids through their facilities by allowing adult camps and ministries. They actually have an art camp coming for adults in, within the next like couple weeks. So I would say that is one of the biggest challenges, and I even felt that a lot with trying to engage with some of the kids in more the less city, the, like Latenia, farther away from the city, it became much more difficult to try to get the kids to engage. Um, one thing I noticed when I was in Haiti with the language barrier, it was so easy still to try to figure out what the kids were trying to tell me. They're very like expressive and they have so many nonverbal cues versus the Hungarians, they will say it very straight and very bland. And if you didn't get it, they honestly just feel defeated and walk away, which makes you feel very like, did I do something wrong? Did I offend them? 
which can really take a toll on things. So it's a lot of patience and a lot of like continuing to try and reach out. Oh, really? Yeah, they, Hungary does not have a very happy history. Um, they're generally not on top when it comes to, they're different, they've been conquered and oppressed very many times. I walked through an art museum and all of their art was very sad and very depressing. <laughs> it, was, it was very hard, it honestly just made me wanna cry, especially getting to know the people. Um, but yes, I would say that there is that with Ukraine right now. They don't want people coming in at all. When we were in, we went out to Vienna, Austria, one of the days that I was in um, there over there for the two months um, as a cultural excursion. Vienna in Austria has a very huge impact on what Budapest has come to be today because they used to be in control of that. Um, and so when we were over there, there was Ukraine flags everywhere. Support this, support here, like this is what you can be doing. Like, and then you go to Budapest and I only saw one in my entire two months. Um, and it was actually hanging on a street that was run by either American or other much more Western cultural um, stores. It was not even like necessarily a Hungarian store street. So and it was like the very big ones. Um, yeah, they don't want them coming in. They don't want to welcome the new people. They don't want to share their land and feel that they're going to suddenly, yes, be oppressed again. So they are very defensive of that. Let's take one or two more questions. You know, one question I had um, when we talked earlier on there was just how do you take what you learned in the two months and then transition to life back here? What are some of the core lessons that God's shown you mm -hmm. that you're, and then you're, you're still in process, I know, but um, after experiencing what life is like halfway across the world or almost halfway, what, what are you going to take from that? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, coming back home was really rough. I had a lot of reverse culture shock. It was hard for me to step back in and figure out how I was going to take what I learned this summer with me now, um, especially coming back home when I had set these expectations that everybody wanted me to return to who I had been before um, and just like what I had learned and what my goals were. Um, I think not neglecting that and taking time to pray. I've been journaling it out because I don't want to forget what God has done in that time and just set it aside as just like, oh, that was just my two months in Hungary. Like God taught me real lessons there and I got to know his character better, and they're not things that I just want to put into a box, categorize hungry, and move on. Um, I think I took away a lot the endurance aspect that I had mentioned. That was something that, for me, I really had to rely on because I'm a 110% type person, and it's really hard for me to let go of things that I don't need to prioritize or that other people haven't even asked me to take on. Um, 
And so learning to step back and just go where God is calling me and just lead where he has set priorities for me, that has been most important and where I can put most of my heart as opposed to just like dividing it everywhere to things that he's not asking me to do. Let's, yeah, any questions? Oh, yeah, so like for other people that are coming back over? Yeah. Yeah, um, one thing that I found that was, that I loved is when I was on the field, you did not have to be a pastor, you did not have to be this like long-term called missionary to go over and find an ability to step in. Um, we, there was, when we were in Spain, they could use somebody who is in landscape um, architecture, who could come out and set up the facilities to make it a place and design the layout make it a place that's sustainable, that's gonna last, rather than continuing to pour into these like mini projects that don't really connect. Um, but that is not a role that I would have ever thought when I was telling somebody, hey, you should be like a missionary, or hey, you should go over and do this for like a week or a month. Um, but that is something that I think if you just went over for two months and did, that that's all they would need to get started. And it just proves that you don't have to have this Nobody is perfect. Everybody is just equipped by God. And so that does not mean that anybody can't use what he's given you to serve him. And that also doesn't mean that you have to go all the way over to Hungary. You can also just do that here. Like that, you can be his light wherever you are. And that doesn't mean that you have to go all the way over and serve somewhere else. But you can also just do it where you're at. All right. Well, thank Emily for sharing today. And thank you all for helping fund her trip to Hungary. And uh, I, think, I think Emily's right. She's still processing, but God's got a great plan for her life. And it's always encouraging for us to see this next generation kind of doing what God has called them to do. And uh, Emily, we've known her since birth, so it's a really special thing um, to have her share. A worship team, if you'd come forward. Uh, let's let's finish out and, and celebrate the Lord. I don't know if this song is about blessings, but uh, uh, I think Emily's a blessing to all of us.